Hello, and welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. This week, we're celebrating the second Sunday of Lent with several interesting and exciting uh, events. First up, we have the anthem presented by our sanctuary choir that is Let My Heart Be Quiet by Heather Schaff. Following that, we have the sermon Recognizing the Tempter with Dr. Ezel. And we're going to close out with a special handbells presentation, Reflections on Kelvin Grove, performed by the Broadmoor Bells and Boat. Thank you for listening.
to read from Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone. I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Lord, hear our prayer. Open our hearts in our minds. Confront us, correct us, call us, and may we obey. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So today we ordain Dave Oakley for ministry, although last Wednesday, I believe it was last Wednesday, we celebrated your seventh Seventh anniversary on staff here at Broadmoor Baptist Church. So this morning, what I will say will be a bit confessional from my own experience and conversational conversations I've been having with Henri Nouwen and Eugene Peterson for about 17 to 19 years, not in person, but through their books and scriptural conversations with a text. I would like to speak about temptations that threaten to redefine our sense of authority, identity, integrity. It's a word for myself and Dave, for all of us. Perhaps the first temptation that tested my pastoral identity took place My first full-time pastorate, I believe it was the first week, I may have shared it with some of you, a well-meaning husband came to my study, retired CEO. He came and said, Brother Leonard, my wife's outside in the truck. Look, she's feeling down today. I was wondering if you might come outside and cheer her up. You know, you're like a cheerleader. Back in those days, I could recognize the tempter. 
doesn't have horns, pitchfork, bifurcated tail, red spandex suit. It looks like those who might presume upon us. Identity, uh, contrary to what Jesus modeled for us. Henri Nouwen calls it the temptation to be relevant or to be useful. Peterson says back when he was pastoring, he had heard all the preacher jokes, like the one about the Scottish pastor who was invisible six days a week and incomprehensible the seventh. You can tell that one someday. He says, each week I'd walk home after conducting Sunday worship and the same joke confronted me as I walked by my neighbor's house. My neighbor who puttered around in his yard would greet me with this. Finished for another week? Huh. Sure must be nice. And Peterson would resist the temptation to reassure his neighbor how busy he really was. Documenting evidence to reassure him he was not a parasite on the system. He would prepare some apology or defense that he actually did something during the week. Peterson says it's nice, downright flattering to be needed. The temptation to be needed, to be useful. Here it was for me, an opportunity to be needed to show that I do something that the world finds useful, relevant. Turn stones to bread. Fix the problem. Help someone. Help yourself. Well, I could recognize temptation back then. I said, no, I'm glad to go down and talk with her and listen. Maybe she needs to be down. I don't know. But my job is not to cheer people up. Peterson says, that sounds benign, harmless, but it's not. Pastors in America, he says, have become little more than shopkeepers. And our shops are churches. He says, we've concerned ourselves too much with how to keep customers happy. How to lure customers away from competitors down the street. How to package the goods so that customers will lay out more money. He says, I was told this by experts in the field of church, that my main task was to run the church in the manner of Christians who run service stations, grocery stores, corporations, banks, hospitals, financial services. I was astonished to learn, he says, that the size of my church parking lot had far more to do with how my church fared than the choice of my text in preaching. And I was being lied to. Well, the temptation arises from the marginalization of the church, the sidelining of 
church, which has become less important today. So religion has become less about prayer, scripture, and spiritual growth. And in desperation, we pastors make deals with the tempter, turn stones to bread, find ways to be helpful and useful, do something. For example, Peterson says he hurt his leg one day. He's not a physician, but he does what we do when we self-diagnose ourselves. He went to his physician and said, Doc, I need access to the whirlpool. That'll help me feel better. And his doctor said, no, that is not what you need. He resisted the temptation to give this man what he wanted, risking his popularity, losing perhaps a client, endangering his income. It's risky to maintain your integrity and identity being whoever people want us to be rather than what God has called us to be. With professionals, it's about the, in, the invisibles. For physicians, it's about health, not just making people feel better. For lawyers, it's justice, not just giving people what they want. For professors, it's about learning, not cramming cranial cavities with information to prepare them for examinations. And for pastors, he says, it's about God. Not relieving anxiety, not giving comfort, not running a religious establishment, but about God. Flannery O'Connor, Southern author, I hope you know who she is, she writes with such extremes, kind of monster-like characters. Well, she makes a good point about this lack of concern for God and the temptation for ministers to be useful. She addressed it by saying pastors are one part minister and three parts masseuse. Think about that. So the question we have to ask is, am I keeping a clear line between what I'm committed to and what people are asking of me? How do we keep our integrity when the context we're in has hired us to run the religious store? When our context includes some religious shoppers that are quick to move on when there's a shinier, more exciting product. Turn the stone to bread. When there's hunger, fix it. And we make a deal with a tempter. Now, true temptation is not the temptation to kill someone or to rob a bank, I don't think. True temptation comes dressed up in the noblest of intentions. Let's hear Jesus' temptations reworded briefly. Take care of yourself. Save the world. 
prove your faith. Put that way, and these are temptations that prey on his goodness. They tell us something about his own heart. Have you ever been shopping around on the internet? Looking for something, and then suddenly when you're on Amazon or another site, that product keeps popping up as an ad, and you wonder, how did they know that's what I've been wanting? It happened to me. I was looking for a particular vehicle, and days, weeks later, that particular vehicle kept popping up on my computer. You could go to my Amazon account right now and see what pops up on my computer, and you'll know a little about what's been tempting me, you'll get a sense of my heart. Temptations are windows into our heart. The temptations of Christ for us is a window we can see what's in his heart. The pop-up ads, if you will. His unique desires. And these are temptations that prey on His goodness. He doesn't show us a serpent offering poison fruit. There's no red spandex, bifurcated tail, pitchfork. Temptation doesn't announce itself. Hi, I'm temptation. I'm the devil. It doesn't wear a name tag. For Jesus, for you, for all of us, the voice of the tempter may sound like the voice of good. To be needed, to be useful, to be busy, to run the store. Take care of yourself, save the world, prove your faith. None of those sound especially self-destructive. And yet that's what temptation looks like. These aren't what the tempter wants of Jesus. These are what Jesus himself wants. Because we know in the end he eventually gets them. But he gets them in God's way. In God's timing. These days when we talk about temptations, we're usually describing some irresistible urge to do something we know we shouldn't do. Something that will hurt us. Something we'd rather stay in Vegas. The kind of temptations that we know are wrong from the get-go. It's the alcoholic raiding the hotel minibar. Or the lonely husband spending too much time with the attractive co-worker stuff we know is wrong but we're drawn to do but the key is the stuff we know is wrong we might say well only weak immoral people are tempted right but Jesus has every good attribute in spades Character, 
integrity, faith, moral compass unmatched. And yet he's tempted. The antidote for resisting temptation is not strength then. It's not moral fortitude. It's not the depth of our character or even our closeness to God. What are we to do? Where is our hope for resisting temptation? The only vaccine, apparently, is obedience. Jesus escapes the tempter, not by weighing pros and cons, not by making the best decision, He didn't consult his attorney, I'm sorry, or the pastor. He simply submitted to God time and time again. Life is more than eating bread, he says, while his stomach was growling. Worship God and nothing else, he says, while the world's kingdoms and the power to do good for all is right there before his eyes. Don't don't test God, he teaches, and he himself will be tested unto death. And he will struggle with these until the end. And it says the tempter will leave him for a more opportune time. He'll be back. He'll be back to tempt him to perform miracles, to tempt him to come down from the cross, to dazzle people, to build his own mega temple with followers. Half dead from hunger, seemingly alone, this man does not look like a king. Not a superhero, certainly nothing like a coronation ceremony you'd ever witness, but he is the real thing. The promises made to him at his baptism get refined in the wilderness in temptation. The promises made at our baptism get refined through the fires of the wilderness temptation. I think it had to happen early to him because he was going to need to learn the voice of the tempter throughout the rest of his ministry. Recognize what it sounded like. It certainly wouldn't be his last. Learn the tempter's voice because it sounds a lot like your own. It sounds like our voice. And so identity, integrity, is about, is about the awareness that every good door that opens is not necessarily the will of God. It's about learning to be led or, or shoved into the wilderness as the Spirit shoves Jesus Mark says, into desolate places of loneliness, 
and struggle, over vocation, within ourselves, where our hungers and our dreams and our fears all take turns trying to shut out the voice of God. It also means those difficult experiences and struggles may be from God. Not the symptom of being outside God's will or from the meanness of tempters around us. There are some places God intends to take us. We will never reach if left to our own devices. We would never go to some places if we followed our own compass and our own plans. But somewhere in the desert, the aloneness, Jesus Jesus chooses obedience. God grant us the grace and strength to be able to choose who we will be and who we will not be, whose we will be and whose we will not be, and who we will obey. In the wilderness, in this holy season, in the wilderness, this holy calling, wherever the road takes us and on the other side. Will you pray with me? God grant each of us the strength to obey, to resist the temptations, to hold true to your plan and your will for us. Give us integrity. Protect our identity. May we be found faithful to the end. In Christ we pray. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.